You are listening to audio from Central Baptist Church in Mansfield, Texas. If you would like to get more involved or get more information about our church, stick around after the message. John chapter number 10. We've been going through Genesis. We haven't made it very far. We've pretty much finished chapter number 10, but we have decided to really focus on human life. Um, I believe if you get really the first 11 chapters of Genesis right, the rest of the Bible just falls into place. And so we want to take a look at what the Bible speaks on life. We went through, oh man, we were probably on it in four weeks, um, different topics about birth. And um, those were probably not as much talked about in the Bible. Um, but we try to bring out some Bible principles, and obviously the big one is that we believe human life is more important than every other life on earth. We're more important, I'm sorry for anybody that has pets, we're more important than cats and dogs. Um, we're more important than any animal at the zoo. We're more important than them all. Human life is more important. And one of the reasons is because Genesis um, chapter 1, verse 26 says that God talking to himself, says, let us make man in our image. The only part of creation that bears the image of God is human life. Um, And then on top of that, God took the time to form us and then breathe his own breath into our lungs. And so then God gave us dominion over all of creation to subdue it. So ever since then, the devil has plotted and schemed to disrupt the creative order. And he does so in a number of ways. He attacks birth. Isn't it interesting that much of what we debate about and argue about in 2022 has to do with either life, birth, birth, or death? And it's all an attack from Satan himself. Because look what it is. Jesus tells us his game plan. Verse number 10, just one verse. The thief cometh not but for to steal, to kill, and to destroy. And Jesus gives us the contrast. This is what the devil does. He wants to steal your joy. Listen to me. If you have no joy, you allowed something or someone to take it. There are ways, it might not be easy, but there are ways to get your joy back. promise you it's possible. Um, So the devil steals. If he can't steal your salvation from you, obviously we believe he can't. He'll take just about anything else that he can away from you so you don't enjoy life anymore. Um, He's stealing, he's scheming. Um, Listen, I did a, a... three funerals in the last two months. And in two of them, I, I talked to people that said, you know, my, it was different family members. We haven't seen each other in years because of something that happened years ago. And what do you think that is? It's the devil scheming, trying to, to steal family from one another. Um, and obviously there's sometimes where there's probably decent reasons for that. But you have to understand behind the scenes, there's a devil that's working. 
He is scheming all of the time to take everything that you count in life as good away from you. But the crazy thing is, most Christians, especially American Christians, sit on the sidelines and let him. We really do. We aren't privy to how he works. And he just, he gets into our homes, he gets into our hearts, and he starts robbing us of things. And it's almost like we left the door open for him. It's time we fight back. Yes, ma'am. We, man, we, yeah. Amen. Take a stand. Amen. Definitely does. Definitely does. And he wants to make that his home. Um, so he, he steals, but his ultimate goal is to kill and to destroy. That's the devil's goal. He knows what the part of the verse that is next, um, uh, and he wants to make sure that everything that has life no longer has life. Because look what Jesus says. I am come, Jesus says, I am come that they might have life. But not just life. Did you notice? We can actually have abundant life. Isn't that amazing? I don't know, that sounds an awful lot like a sermon series that somebody just preached. I don't know who that somebody was. But somebody just preached a series like that. Um, Good-looking guy in his 30s, I don't know. Um, Summer in Mansfield. Um, so the devil is trying to take. The devil is trying to kill. And it, isn't it amazing how new forms of death become more commonplace, become more accepted, become even celebrated become even defended in our country today let's talk about some now again I want to say I'm not an expert on any one of these issues I do my best to be a Bible student um, some of them I think are black and white in the Bible um, um, but this is still a place where you can ask questions especially during lessons like this so if you have a question or a comment uh, just raise your hand. I promise to get to you as soon as I can. If there's something that, like I put that post on Facebook yesterday, if you see something that is listed in the uh, that was there, just let me know. We'll add it. This will go probably through January. Um, so let's start with murder. Um, so just a quick question. Ten Commandments, thou shalt not murder. Does anybody know what number that is? Come on, Bible students. Number six. Number six. Thou shalt not murder. I find it interesting. Thou shalt not murder is right after honor thy father and thy mother. And right before thou shalt not commit adultery. <laughs> I, don't, I think that was on purpose. Um, thou shalt not kill. Um, this has been mis interpreted for a very long time now and someone tell me how has this been misinterpreted in our country today thou shalt not kill you know you can't hunt right um so um i was getting as i was studying for this lesson i looked and found different headlines 
and it was, I think it was San Francisco, they, uh, a local PETA group did a march on a nationwide grocery chain, and they went into all of the different particular chains that were in San Francisco all at the same time of the day, and they took two chickens, which obviously doesn't really make sense, <laughs> but they took two chickens, and they performed a wedding for them in the poultry section. And then they spray painted on the little glass in front of the chickens where they, you know, the chickens you eat, um, thou shalt not kill. Right. What Johnny said is correct. People have used this verse to defend all kinds of animal right fiascos. It has nothing to do with animal rights at all. Okay? Um, simply stated, the sixth of the Ten Commandments forbids the unjustified taking of human life. Just to prove that, I gave you the two Hebrew words for kill. There are only two used in the Bible. The first, it's not pronounced ratsack, but that's how I'm going to pronounce it. Ratsack, um, uh, that means to murder, to unjustifiably take human life. The next one is pronounced moot. It means to kill. This could be intentionally or accidentally, so it can include manslaughter. It can include killing, um, you know, capital punishment. It could include killing in war, so, and so on and so forth. So that one was any type of killing, and it could even kill when they talked about the animal sacrifices. They, they killed the ram and all those different things. So um, both of them are used in the, New Te in the Old Testament pretty often. The one that is in Exodus chapter 20, verse 13, is rat sack. It should be said, don't murder. Don't murder. Why does man murder? Man murders because um, there is something on the inside that sets a us. It could be anger, jealousy, pride, hatred. Ever since sin entered into the picture, mankind has had a propensity towards violence. It didn't take long. In Genesis chapter 3, Adam and Eve fall into sin. By Genesis chapter 4, I believe it's verse number 7, Cain kills Abel. I mean, you're talking half a chapter, <laughs> right? We don't know how long it was, obviously, um, but Cain was so filled with rage over God not accepting his sacrifice that he takes out his anger on his brother. And from there, it's only gotten worse. Mankind has literally formulated all kinds of new ways to kill each other. We have no view today of the sanctity of human life. But the problem isn't the outward act. The, the root of the problem is on the inside. Hear me. You see, one thing that Jesus does over and over again in the Gospels, he takes a command from the Old Testament and doesn't abolish it. He multiplies its significance. And one of the ones that he does is the sixth commandment. 
he was doing the Sermon on the Mount, the most famous sermon ever preached. And he looks at the ones listening, his disciples, and says, You have heard it said of old, thou shalt not kill. But I say unto you that anyone that holds anger in his heart is guilty of murder as well. Can I just be honest with you? That's tough. <laughs> right? Come on, Baptist people. Right? There are some of us, including your preacher, that we got to be very careful. Um, I'll just be honest with you. The thing that I deal with the most is that right there. It runs through my family. You can ask Hope. I think she's here. I haven't gotten to see her. I think she's back there helping you in grief share. Um, our grandpa, Grandpa Hayward, was um, served in World War II. Uh, he was a sergeant. And when you think of Army sergeant, my grandpa fit. <laughs> he, he had a very short fuse. And when it did go off, everybody knew it. <laughs> So when I was a, you know, when I was young and we were spending the night over there, we lived in Michigan, we'd come down here, spend the night at their house, and um, we had to make sure if we got up early, man, we didn't make a peep. My grandpa was just about deaf, but if we had the TV on just a little bit too loud, he'd hear it, bust out, and then he'd be upset, and then when he would watch TV, he'd turn it all the way up. <laughs> uh, but, I mean, he'd be this. And so, you know, it's in the family. My dad was the same way when he was young. Um, I could tell you story after story from my youth about how my parents had to discipline that out of me. I had a very short temper. I still can have a short temper. But the Bible is replete with all kinds of different commands that tell us to watch your anger because of how this dangerous it is. I have seen anger kill a marriage, right? You probably have relatives where anger just killed that marriage. Um, I've seen anger ruin relationships between parents and their children. I've seen anger uh, ruin relationships with church members. And literally people stop coming just because they can't get over something that happened. And the crazy thing is, it's not like it happened last week or a month ago or two months ago or a year ago or 10 years ago or before I was born. You know where I'm going? And it's still there. You know what's sad? We say we believe in the Bible. But do you realize the, the reason that God gave us the Bible isn't so that we can gain more knowledge. It's so that when we read it, it changes us. If I read the Bible today and it doesn't change me, I did it wrong. I need to try to do it again. If I am angry about the same thing today that I was a year ago, can I really call myself a Christian? Woohoo, preacher. Listen, I have the word of God to back me up. Look what it says. Uh, it's in your handout. 1 John chapter 3, verse 15. John wrote this under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. Whosoever, just help me. 
Who is whosoever? That's everybody, right? That includes Texans? All right, just wanted to make sure. Whosoever hates his brother is what? A murderer. But think about this. And ye know that no murderer hath eternal life abiding in him. Wow. Listen, that's not me. That's the word of God. A hundred percent. Hey, can I make it even more real? We all know about that young lady, uh, the strand girl. I can't remember her first name off the top of my head. Thank what? Athena. Yeah. How terrible that was. I actually meant to put them on our prayer, prayer, prayer list. Um, and we're going to talk about capital punishment here in a second, so I don't want to steal my thunder. But what the man did, goodness, terrible. I mean, the word of God actually talks about someone that hurts a little one and what should happen to them. But do you notice what the word of God said here? I can't remember the man's name. But whosoever hates his brother is just like that guy. Woo. Ooh. Can I ask, are you mad at anybody right now? I hope you're convicted. God brought you here on purpose. And you shouldn't leave that way. We read the word of God. And if it doesn't change us, we're doing it wrong. All right. I'm glad you came. I really am. <laughs> the sixth commandment. I put this in your handout on purpose. Brother Johnny kind of preluded it for us. The sixth commandment is not a prohibition for killing animals. Um, we're allowed to do this. And I list kind of the reasons why in order. Man was given dominion over animals, Genesis 1. Now, what is interesting is that from Genesis 1 to Genesis 9, there is no record that animals were a part of the human diet. Um, that seems to be something that happened post-flood. Uh, now, animal death happened before then. God killed an animal in Genesis chapter 3 as a sacrifice. Abel killed an animal as a sacrifice. So there seems to be some sacrificial system that was happening before Genesis 9, but it doesn't seem that they were eating any animals before Genesis chapter 9. So Genesis chapter 9, though, gives permission to mankind to eat animals. I give this to you. Genesis 9.3 says this, Every moving thing that liveth shall be meat for you. Even as a green herb have I given you all things. So God is telling Noah and his three boys and all of their wives, grill up some steak. <laughs> That's what he said. And he's saying it's okay. It's okay. Eat meat. God gave us. Now, it's not a command that you have to. But it was a command that you can, right? Um, but on top of that, the sacrificial system in the Old Testament was commanded by God and started by God. You see this in Genesis 3.21. You see this with the Passover lamb, the scapegoat. Um, you have all of these different sacrifices that they had to do. All of those were commanded by God himself. God commanded the killing 
of animals. God did that. There are multiple multitude of stories in the Bible of God's people being provided meat from God. Think about it. John 21. Peter's in a boat. He sees who it is on the shore and swims to him. And what is Jesus doing? He's cooking fish on the beach. God himself took animals' lives directly. Now, very important. Animal cruelty should not take place if men truly understand the command to be caretakers, stewards of the world. Shouldn't abuse your dog, shouldn't abuse your cat. You shouldn't abuse animals of any kind. Um, It's clearly taught in scriptures that way. Okay, so murder, we have set the foundation. Any questions? Yes. Uh huh. Of course, yeah, yeah, and we'll talk about that. So when we get to, in fact, it's next suicide. Um, there's only one unpardonable sin, and it's not murder. Um, so any sin can be forgiven. Um, and what is one thing about First John that is vitally important? It's um, the the verb tenses, almost all of them in First John, are in the present future tense. So that means I have it now, and I hold on to it into the future. So that's somebody that has hate today and knows they're going to have hate tomorrow and next year and so on and so forth. This is not someone that, oh, I'm angry today, and I'm going to ask for forgiveness tonight. That's not what that's talking about. We're all going to get angry at times. I mean, I preached on this back in August right, the offended series, every one of us is going to get angry. It's going to happen. It doesn't mean we've lost our salvation and we have to get saved again. But a Christian will see it, recognize it, and repent. Yes. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Thank you. All right. Any other questions? All right, suicide. What a topic. Man, I have gone to too many funerals for people that have committed suicide. Um, I was, oh man, I was 10, and um, we went to a camp in Hawks, Michigan. Hawks, Michigan is about a half hour from the Upper Peninsula. So it's in the mitt, but it's like right here. (laughs) (laughs) Don't you love when people from Michigan do that? It's like right there. Um, And um, so we had gone to winter camp. And you can imagine, winter camp here, there's a lot of snow. We had a blast. I went with the youth department. I was with my dad. And the camp director had a son who was exactly my age. He uh, went to the public school there in Hawks. And the thing is, Hawks was maybe 2,000 people. I had no idea, but he got picked on mercilessly. So one day, he left school. Back in the day, this was a lot easier than it is today. 
And he walked the five miles home. Nobody else was there. Took a shotgun. And a 10-year-old boy committed suicide. We went back up for the funeral. The place was packed. I just couldn't help. Even as a 10-year-old, I'm like, how could somebody take their life? But the thing is, as I've grown and gotten older, it's almost been a yearly thing of people that I know. Somewhere that in despair or pain have taken their own life. The Catholic Church has really done a number on the teaching surrounding suicide. And I want to help unravel some of that. Um, so in your Bible, there actually are a few folks that committed suicide. Uh, Abimelech, jo- Judges chapter 9. Uh, Saul's armor bearer. Um, the thing about Saul's armor bearer, which is an interesting story, they're in battle. Um, and he's going to take his own life before he's going to get killed. Um, you have uh, Hithamophel. You have Zimri. And obviously the most famous one would be Judas, after the guilt of betraying Jesus. Um, So you have these five stories. Some would point to Samson, you know, pushing over the pillars. But I would disagree, really, on a technicality. His purpose wasn't to kill himself. He wanted to take out God's enemies. He knew he was probably going to die from what happened. But in my opinion, it shouldn't be considered suicide. Exodus 20.13 tells us not to murder. I am a human life. So if I take my own life, I am guilty of murder. So when you read 1 John chapter 3, verse 15, Brother John, you could almost come up with the conclusion that you have such unrepented sin that's pretty high up there that would mean you lose your eternal Life, that you lose your salvation. In fact, that's what the Catholics teach. If you've ever been, uh, had a friend that was a Catholic or gone to a Catholic church, um, uh, they tell you that suicide is the unpardonable sin. And one of the reasons is because you can't go to confession, right? You, you commit suicide, you have unrepentant sin, and so you are guilty, and that guilt is on, the blood is kind of on your head, so to speak. Um, Right, so you lose all the Catholic rights, um, and I, I've known, I've had, I lived in Michigan, so I had plenty of Catholic friends, and I've known Catholic families to pretty much shun the dead loved one because of what they did. Um, so, obviously, we need to understand that, number one, suicide is sinful. It is. No matter the circumstances, no matter what led up to it. I understand there's always going to be pain. There's always going to be struggle. But all because there's pain and struggle doesn't mean there's not sin. In fact, most of the time, the reason why there's pain and struggle is because there is sin. Suicide is sinful. We have to understand, friend. Um, verses like Psalm thirty-one, fifteen. The psalmist said, my times are in your hands. Job 1.21 says, Naked came I out of my mother's womb, and naked shall I re- return thither. 
the Lord gave and the Lord hath taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Suicide, the taking of one's own life is ungodly because it rejects God's gift of life. No man or woman should presume to take God's authority upon themselves to end his or her own life. Please, friend, I tell you this, not to be hard and to bring up past wounds, I promise you. That would never be my goal. But my goal is to understand that there might be someone here right now, someone watching online, that is thinking about it. You don't know what the person sitting next to you is thinking about. And how sad would it be if they never heard from the people around them that should love them the most, tell them there is still hope. Hear me, friend. There is still hope. You don't have to go that route. I promise you, not only is there a pastor here, there are people here that you can call anytime. And, and they will be there for you. They will drive to their house. Some of them drive faster than I do. And they will get there and help you. Don't give up. It, I promise you, it is not God's plan. And it's not the answer. I promise you. Okay. Listen, according to the Bible, suicide is a sin. But please know, it is not the greatest sin. It's not. It is not unforgivable. It is not unpardonable. Suicide, as far as legally is concerned in God's standard, is like all of the other sins. Obviously, the, um, the consequences are immediate um, and harsh. But as far as the legal standard for sin, it's like all of the others. No more evil than anything else. Um, so, it does not determine one's eternal destiny. Suicide, suicide will have a definite, long-lasting effect on those left behind. They'll live with it for the rest of their days. But it doesn't impact our souls. I think I put this in there, and I hope I really did. Is suicide the unforgivable sin? Catholics will use passages like Mark 3, um, but that has nothing to do with suicide. The unpardonable sin is simply blaspheming the Holy Spirit. That means it not choosing to follow Jesus um, when we stand before God or when people stand before God at the great white throne judgment they're not going to go to hell because they commit suicide they're going to have that eternal destiny because they never accepted Jesus as savior they never repented of their sins they never had the faith required to enter heaven listen that's the unpardonable sin, not suicide. I could have listed scripture after scripture. Romans 8 seemed to 
um, emphasize the point the best. Christian, if you're a Christian today, this is about you. For I am persuaded, Paul says, that neither death. I think that includes suicide. Don't you think? Neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. For the Christians, all sins, hear me, every one of our sins, past, the sins present, and the sins future, are all forgiven through faith in the atoning work of Jesus. Confession of sin allows for intimate fellowship with God. But a believer's eternal destiny is set at the moment of receiving Jesus. The moment that the Holy Spirit regenerates our hearts and faith bursts forth is the moment we never go back. Hear me. Once you get it, you can't give it back. Because once you got it, you wouldn't want to. Right? Hear me, friend. If God knew everything, he would know that at some point in the future I would commit suicide. And if he saved me then, knowing that, and then took it away at the point of death, that doesn't make any logical sense, right? Common sense teaches us that us Christ followers will die, some of us, if not all of us, will die with unconfessed sins. And the reason I can say that, because we don't view sin the right way. Our sins are too great in number and too high to confess them all. There's no way. And so it's just logical to think that at the moment of my death, I'm going to have unconfessed sin. How many times have Christians died in road rage on the highway? Right? They thought that cutoff wouldn't do anything, but it ended their life. Obviously, that's sinful. Does that mean they don't get to go to heaven? Of course not. We're, we're going to have unconfessed sin. How about people that were fighting with their wife that had a heart attack? Does that mean they lose their salvation because of fighting with their wife? Good Lord, I hope not. <laughs> She's not here tonight, but I'm telling you, we do too. Right? How about lying on our taxes? How about being angry at fellow church members? How about skipping church? Uh-oh. Hopefully God doesn't take you home on a Monday. Can I get a witness? I mean, I could go on and on. We're the, we have a better chance of having unconfessed sin than having confessed every sin. And so if we're playing the game of am I saved or not, what we're really trying to do is play the game, am I worthy? And the obvious answer is you're not. But the good news is Jesus has done all the work for you. And since Jesus did the work, it doesn't, the, the burden doesn't rest on your shoulders. 
is on his. If it applies to all of those sins, don't you think it applies to suicide too? I believe it does. Now, Christian, of all people, suicide shouldn't be a part of our life. God saved you to live, not to end it. So live. Thanks for listening. If you'd like to join us in person, our services are at 9.30 a.m. and 11 a.m. every Sunday. We're located at 700 North Walnut Creek Drive in Mansfield, Texas. You can visit our website at cbcmansfield.com or follow us at Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube at CBC Mansfield. Thanks again for joining us.